This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Uh, just encourage you, you know, our, our city leaders have, have called for fasting and praying for rain. And, and I, I get tickled because some people mock that. Let them mock it, okay? I rejoice at the opportunity. We need to pray, okay? We need to pray for that. One scripture we read that Sunday morning, you can stand on it, Zechariah 10, verse 1. It says to pray, to ask God for the rain and the latter rain. What that's talking about is natural rain and even spiritual rain. You know what? Our region, our nation, is in dire need of physical rain in parts, but our whole nation is in dire need of spiritual rain. And so, man, we've got to pray these things. Jump on board and, and get those things out there. Um, before, before we get going to where we're going tonight, I want to read a passage of Scripture to you that I know a lot of people within our church have, have been dreaming. I mean, there's been dreams and visions that have been going on and on. I had another one today. They talk, told me that their little boy woke up from nap and he started talking. I'm talking about a little bitty guy that had a vision of Jesus. And man, I got so blessed when they told me what this little guy was describing. So at times I've had people ask me, Pastor, why do we have stuff in our dreams and our sleep? Well, I've always thought this, that a lot of times the only time we get still enough or quiet enough to hear from God is when we're asleep. Your physical body finally shuts down. Your mind, if it's like mine, it finally clicks off. I don't know about you, but my mind's going all the time, all the time except when I'm asleep. And so I've always thought that. And I asked God one day, just recently, I said, God, give me scripture on that. Well, he did. And I was studying the area of Job. And listen to this. This is Job 33, verse 15. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men, while slumbering on their beds, then he opens the ears of men... And he seals their instruction. And I thought, I don't think it could be any plainer than that. So understand this, guys. When you fall asleep, God's going to begin to move. Where's that found? Well, the, pro- the prophet Joel prophesied that in Joel 2. Uh, Peter spoke that in Acts 2. He said, in these last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. The young will prophesy. They'll see visions. The old men, the gray beards, will see dreams. And prophesy. It's all in the Bible, guys. And so I just believe God's doing that. And so don't be shocked if you start having dreams and visions at night. You know what? I'm, I'm welcoming them right now. That has absolutely nothing to do with what we're talking about, okay? i just throwing those in there. You see, my mind's going all over the place. Go with me to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. We've been talking about our authority as of the believer that we have that happens because we're in Christ Jesus. Now, the devil can only dominate or control where he's allowed or permitted to. That's the only place he can do that. And even in believers' lives, guys, me and you that are born again, he can still dominate us and control us if we're not careful. And and I believe the main reason he can do that is because of our lack of knowledge. Remember the book of Hosea, chapter 4 and 6, it says, My people perish for lack of knowledge. Now, it's one thing to get knowledge, but it's another area that once I get knowledge, I must act on it. 
That's part of my problems at times. How many of you have ever said this out of your mouth? I've known to do that, but duh, I just didn't do it. Well, a lot of times we get lazy spiritually or we even get sloppy. And so this is to teach us, number one, we've got to know about the things of Jesus. We've got to know about the name of Jesus. But number two, this can be a refresher course to stir back up on the inside of us. I've got to get busy with the authority that he's given me. And he's given you. I've got to give you a couple guidelines for the name of Jesus to work in your life. Number one, you must be born again. You must have Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, okay? Number two, and this is big, the name of Jesus will not work for any of us if we have unconfessed sin in our life. Do you know the only thing that stops the hand of God in our life is sin? So that's why in, in 1 John 1, 9, he put in the clause, if you'll confess your sins, I'll forgive you, I'll wash you. It's important that I confess my sin. The other area that will block the, the, the name of Jesus from working in your life is when you have unforgiveness in your heart. Where's that? Mark eleven twenty five. You know what it says? Jesus himself said, if you don't forgive others, I cannot forgive you. Okay? So there's times in my life... If, if the name of Jesus isn't working, and it's not that the name of Jesus has lost its power, it's, have I done something to block it? Have I done something, whether it's unforgiveness or whether it's sin in my own life? And the last one is, I've got to start having faith in that name. I've got to believe in that name. Now, let's look a little further tonight here in Matthew chapter 10, begin in verse 1. And when Jesus had called... His twelve disciples. Now, guys, when he called them, this doesn't mean he forced them. This doesn't mean he made them. He gave them an invitation to join him, okay? Jesus won't force any of us to do nothing. But just like the invitation he gave the disciples, he gives that to me and you. And many times right here in this verse, this has caused issues within the body of Christ. Many people will refer back to this and say, you've got to understand the things that Jesus did for those 12 disciples, he doesn't do that anymore. I choose to differ, okay? You know why? Jesus gave the 12 disciples assignments to go into all the world and preach. And you'll see all the stuff he told them to do. Well, you know what? He's given me and you the same guidelines. He's given me and you the same instruction. You know what? He wouldn't tell us to do that. If we didn't have the power and authority to do that. Where has he told us to do that? Well, in Mark 16, he said, and these signs will follow those who believe. He didn't say nothing about the 12 disciples. He said, these signs shall follow those who believe. In Matthew 16, 19, he said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. He didn't say, I just gave the 12 disciples, okay? You know what the definition of disciple is? Someone who follows the teaching and the teacher. And literally in Greek context right here, when it talks about the 12 disciples, you know what it says? Or Christians as a whole. So we're covered in this. So he gives them an, uh, an assignment here and he says, he gave them power. He gave the disciples power. Spiritual authority over unclean spirits to cast them out. And to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now, Jesus right here, he gave them power. Notice what he said he gave them power for. And you can read it again. 
He wouldn't have asked them to cast out and to heal if they couldn't to do it. But the key is here, guys, it all must be done in the name of Jesus. Me and you, guys, we don't have anything within our talents or abilities to do that. But when we start acting on the name of Jesus, something begins to happen. Now, verse 2, guys, he lists the disciples' names in verse 2, 3, 4. I'm going to jump to verse 5. Look at this. These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. What this was talking about, when Jesus sent out the original twelve, he said to the Jew first, okay? I want you to go to the Jew first. That's Romans 1. That's where that's found. To the Jew first and then the Gentile, okay? That's all that means. Verse 7. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So when we talk about the kingdom of heaven, he's telling them, preach. What's he telling them to preach? Preach the Lord Jesus. Preach salvation. Preach that men and women get born again. But he also gives them some further guidelines. And look what else he says. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Now when we see this written a lot of times, we have to think, does God still do these things? I believe He does. I believe He does. I do. I I believe God will still raise the dead. I believe He'll still set people free. But He's just looking ones who will jump in there with Him. Now, think about this in this light. Do you think Jesus would have told them they could do all this stuff if they couldn't? Do you think Jesus would have told them to do all this stuff if they didn't have the power to do it? No, He did. And I believe He still does that. Part of the issue, I believe, within the church is 2 Timothy 3.5. You know what that says? We take on the form of Christian. We understand Christian doctrine. We understand Christian cliché. But the rest of that verse says, but the power's denied. I believe within the church, among the believers, if we'll start believing the power that's in Jesus' name, the power of the Holy Spirit, and believe that God still does these things, you watch what God will do. You watch. Now, I think at times in America we have life so well, we don't have to believe God a lot. But I know personal ministers, missionaries, ones that go into third world countries, and they said, you'll see the name of Jesus heal. You'll see the name. You'll see the name of Jesus do things. Now, in July of this year, we're having a man of God back into our church, a South African named Dr. Jan Venter. He was here almost two years ago. I'm telling you guys, I'm going to get those dates to you. You don't want to miss them. He's going to be here on a Sunday morning and a Monday night. This guy will tell you stuff over and over that he's seen God do right there through his hands. This man's son, actually it was his grandson was born, and when he was born they diagnosed him as Down syndrome. He began to look at, at this grandson. And he looked at his son and he said, you know what? He said, this boy is precious to us. And he said, but I'm going to believe God in the name of Jesus. We're going to see a miracle in him. This little boy, guys, is now tested as a genius. I sat at a table and ate with him. And Dr. Venter said that the last time I was around him was nine years old. 
Dr. Venter said to him, he said, to his grandson, he said, quote Pastor Stormy's scripture. This little dude started rattling off scripture. Just pat, pat, pat. And I looked. And he said, Pastor Stormy, I'm telling you right now, God does everything he used to do. He'll do it again. We just got to hook up and believe, okay? We just got to get in there and begin to, to trust him. Now, look with me into Luke chapter 10. Let's go a little farther with this tonight. Luke chapter 10. As a believer, guys, I must use my power. I must learn to use my authority. And it's just as we sang tonight. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. Luke 10. Verse 19. Now, let's start in verse 17. Then the 70, the actual definition that says the 72, they returned with joy. Why? Saying, Lord. They addressed Him as Lord. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. What a statement right here. Now, I want you to get a hold of this, guys. This wasn't the original 12. This was another 72. These were different believers, okay? And they come marching back into Jesus' presence, and they say, even the demons obey us in your name. So when you look at that, anytime I use the name of Jesus, it signifies His authority. So they were just using it in the name, in the name, in the name, in the name. And it was almost shocking to them. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. Verse 18. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, this can go two ways here, guys. Jesus was, was saying in one sense, I saw in their, in their present ministry the ultimate defeat of, of Satan, even with believers on this earth. He was telling them, I saw when you use the name of Jesus what happens. But on the flip side, this is the other side that I begin to see of this verse right here. Was he's warning them? Just as the devil got into pride and it became his downfall, don't you get into pride. Don't you start thinking that your your sister smarty pants because you got all the answers. And when you start speaking in the name, look at me. Look, tell you guys, don't get caught in that trap. Okay, verse number nineteen. Behold, I give you authority. To trample on serpents and scorpions, which are both references to the demons. And over what? All the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now those are red letter words, guys. This was what Jesus was saying. Who did he say he's given power or authority to? You. Me. And so right here, when he says this to us, you know what I believe in a sense he's telling me and you? Don't put up with them. Don't put up with demons. Don't put up with serpents. Don't do it. If you put up with them, it's because you don't know who you are in Christ or you don't exercise your authority. Don't put up with them. This is what he's telling us. Verse 20. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you. But rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So you know what he's saying? He's not downplaying that you have authority over demons and devils. But what he is saying, your greatest reward is salvation. Don't ever forget that's the greatest thing. Because when we get to heaven, you know, we're not going to need to cast out devils. They ain't going to be there. Just us and the Lord Jesus. That's all there is. And so the ultimate goal of the devil is to manifest through people. 
That's the ultimate goal. That's the only way that he has legal access into this realm called earth is through people. How do we know that? Look at Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. Now, we've been here a couple of times, and we need to go back to this. Ephesians chapter 6. And let's just let the Word of God teach us. You know, I realize at times that, man, you start mentioning demonic stuff, and people of the world don't understand it, okay? Be careful what you say about that. I'm not saying to be ashamed of the gospel, but when you start going around talking about demons and that, people of the world don't understand it. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So he tells us a couple things. Number one, I'm not to be strong in my own power, my own might. I'm to be strong in the Lord. Then he says, put on the whole armor of God. Why would you need to put armor on? What's armor for? To fight. Now look what he said very next. That who would be able to stand? You would be able to stand against the wiles, the ambushes, the strategies, the deceits of the devil. Okay? Every one of us in here, I'm to stand. But I'm to stand in the name of Jesus. And so really what happens here is me and you are the ones that will engage this, but we engage it in the name of Jesus. Now pay close attention to verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You know what this tells me right here? My battle isn't with people. Read it again. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So you know what this tells me here? The devil will manifest through people. Okay? He's going to operate through people. But when I deal with this in the name of Jesus, I'm not doing that toward the person. Look what this whole verse says. I wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Once again, when we go back and look at this, you know who all this is? These are the fallen demons that got kicked out of heaven. And so, Jesus, you're not wrestling with people, but you do wrestle against these demonic forces, okay? I have no authority over a human being. I have no authority over fellow man or their wills, okay? So, let's just pretend here that that, that Raul has stuff going on in his life. If, if stuff is going on in his life, I don't bind up Raul. I bind up the devils within him. Now, if me and you had authority over every human being, every human being on this earth would be born again right now, wouldn't they? I'd look at Tommy and say, in the name of Jesus, you're getting born again today, boy. See, I can't do that. But I do have authority over demonic forces. Now, look how he talks here in verse 13. And then we're going to move forward again. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand. You know that word withstand is a verb that suggests vigorously opposing and bravely resisting. That you may be able to withstand. So listen, guys. There's times it's going to be vigorous. It's not going to be easy all the time where you speak the name of Jesus and stuff just may happen. Maybe it will. 
But if it doesn't, you know what? I realize I'm going to speak the name of Jesus. I'm going to stand in the name of Jesus and I'm going to keep standing in the name of Jesus. Now, I'm going to give you a couple illustrations of this in, in ways that this can take place. You address the devil in Jesus' name. You address him in the name of Jesus. And it's very easy to say, in Jesus' name, I break your influence. I break your stronghold. I break your power. Now, I'm going to give you an illustration that that happened within my own life. I'm about 18 years old. My brother, when he was in high school, guys, he, we were both horrible sinners, okay? He gets born again, gives his heart to Jesus. He goes to Bible school. He comes back to our house in the summertime, and I'm roughly 18 years old. He's somewhere around 20. Me and him grew up sharing a bed, sharing a bedroom, so that night... When he comes home, he comes and he gets in the bed. And when he lays down by me, he, and, and I didn't know this till years later, he said, just like an old mule, you turned sideways in bed and with both your feet just went boom and kicked him right out. He said, I got up and I thought, what's wrong with him? I get back in the bed. He said, the same thing happens again. He said, I realize you're asleep in all this. So he said, I begin to pray, and before long, he said, I bound the devil that was in you. He said, in the name of Jesus, Father God, I take authority over that spirit within him. He said, before long, he said, he got in bed, and we both fell asleep. He asked the Lord this. He said, Father God, how did the devil get such a stronghold in my brother? Well, part of it I know is because of the lifestyle I lived of sin. But you know what the big thing the Lord told him was? All the junky music he listens to. That's a warning to you. It's a warning. To, don't think just the stuff your children listens to, it's okay. And you say, and I have people say all this tonight, it's harmless. Guys, you better be careful because when you start singing those lyrics in the song, Proverbs 18.22 says, Life and death are in the power of the tongue. You're either singing life or you're singing death. Well, for many years of my life, I mean, I sang, I'm on the highway to hell. I'm all drunk and broke up and, you know, all the goofy stuff we sang. You may say tonight, where, where can you prove that biblically? I can show you biblically. Turn, just real quick, turn a page back to Ephesians 4. I want you to see this. Ephesians 4, verse 27. Verse 26, let me read it in verse 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. You know, the, little, the literal Greek translation says, don't give opportunity to the devil. You know how you can give place to the devil? Music. The junk you watch on TV. Don't think, guys, that stuff's not harmless. Some of the issues your children have is you let, you let them watch those scary movies. You wonder why they have nightmares? You oblige the devil. You know what you've done? You've opened the door. I used to do that, guys. I won't get near that stuff anymore. I'm not going to watch that. I'm gonna be... Don't give place to the devil, okay? Now, I want to give you a biblical reference here of exactly the things we're talking about. Look at Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, and you're talking, listen again, guys. The devil can only dominate where he's allowed. 
Because I was full of the devil, man. I realized it. Does that mean you're a bad person? No. It just means that you've yielded things in your life. You've opened the door up to him. This is what happens. But thank God we got authority over this. Now, I don't believe we can give you a clear, clear description than right here. Acts 16, verse 16. Now, it happened. This is talking about Paul and Silas. As we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. Now, the girl's ability, guys, to tell the future came from demonic forces. This ought to give me an insight where fortune-telling comes from. Be careful with that stuff, okay? Witchcraft, fortune-telling, all the different junk with those guys. I'm going to tell you right now, it's, it's not a God, okay? And if you think it's harmless and innocent, just look at what all takes place in here. And if you look at the ultimate reason here, it was money. Look at that. You'll see there at the end. Who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. One translation says she was shouting, they've come to tell you how to be saved. Now, the demons within this girl, they were speaking the truth. It was accurate that these guys were coming to tell them about Jesus, but you know how they did it? They did it in a mocking form. I don't know if you've ever been around a person that may say the right things, but you can tell they're mocking you. They're mocking you. They're mocking you. I'll never forget, I was preaching one time in a service, and there was a lady sitting there, and every time I would make a comment, she would say, Hallelujah! It was the weirdest voice in the world. And I began to realize, she's mocking me. She's mocking the Word of God. What'd you do, Pastor? You hit her in the head with a brick? No. No, I wanted to. Now I just begin in unregistered real quiet voice and say, in the name of Jesus. I, I will not put up with that here. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, okay? You, you can't mix evil and good, okay? Keep reading here, verse 18. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit. Wow, now look right there. Who was the one yakking at him? The little girl was, but Paul understood this, and he teaches us this right here. He turned and he said, or he spoke to the Spirit. Okay? He didn't deal with the person. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ. Now understand this. Who did the commanding? Paul did. He said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Think about all this, guys. I, I, I can't get over there and think that I'm dealing with people. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, okay? So there may be a person that's yakking and doing things, but understand this. You have authority in Jesus over the devil, so really there's no need you even involving the person. 
It all comes to this. And, and you can always guarantee where there's harassing and, and, and gossip and deterring the things of God, you can always be sure who's behind it. Now, once again, I don't have to put up with it. Just like the Apostle Paul, he didn't have to put up with it. And so when he commanded them in the name of Jesus, these demonic spirits, they knew the power of Jesus. They knew what Jesus had done in hell. But you know what they were banking on? We don't know. They don't want me and you to know the authority and power we have. Because when we got authority and we got a power and we begin to speak the name of Jesus. Now, things happen, guys. I'm not telling us to go on a witch hunt, okay? I'm not telling you to go around. What are you doing about power? We're going after the demons. No, I'm not doing that. It's not what I'm talking about doing, guys, okay? It's going to witch hunt fast enough. I'm talking, though, when stuff starts manifesting in your own life, your home. Don't put up with it. Begin to speak in the name of Jesus. Just begin to speak and speak. Speak that over your children. What happens, Pastor, if we don't see immediate results? You speak the name. You vigorously oppose it, guys. And so even in my own life, guys, right now, I speak the things of Jesus over my children. I speak it over my son. A great, a great verse says that, that, that the devil tries to blind the eyes of believers. He'll try to blind their eyes. He doesn't want them to see the truth. So you know what I'll do? I'll tell him. I'll say in the name of Jesus, you spirits that have tried to blind my son's eyes from the truth, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I break your assignment over him in the name of Jesus. And you say, it's that easy. I believe it is. And when I sense stuff in my home that I don't like, when I sense stuff in this church, I I start binding it up. You know what? One of my prayers, I say the brethren of this house, we dwell together in unity. And anytime I come in here and I sense disunity, I say, uh-uh, devil, you will not manifest in that area. When you start sensing harassment in your marriage, bind him up in the name of Jesus. You guys are looking at me like I'm an alien, like I'm crazy. Guys, this is the truth. This is the gospel. This isn't to be Billy Weirdo, Okay. I'm not talking, I'm just, name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Now, I'm going to end with this story. I knew a man who was a captain in the, the U.S. Air Force. This man operated in the gift of discernment. What discernment is, is seen, seen into the spiritual realm. There's people in our church that operate in that gift. It's amazing to me to talk to him. This guy is a, a captain in the U.S. Air Force. He goes into this huge meeting. And he says, there's a five-star general sitting there. He said, this five-star general, he said, he had the ugliest frown on his face. He said, I'm sitting in there in the meeting, and I'm just kind of lollygalling around and looking. And he said, I look down there, and he said, I see in the spirit realm this demon on his shoulder. Now, I'm not saying you'll see these, okay? Pastor, have you ever seen a demon? I've never seen one. I pray I don't have to. I don't, you know, you can sense them. I don't have to see him. He said he sees him and he looks. And the same look that's on that general's face is on this demon's face. He's sitting there all gruff and ugly. And so this man, this this captain, says under his voice, he goes, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You will not manifest while I'm in here. He said the demon's kind of sitting there and he said, 
I said, in the name of Jesus. And he said, the third time when I said it, he said, I said it with a lot more authority. Now think about this, guys. No one else in the room hears him doing that, okay? That doesn't mean you got to stand up and say, hey! Doesn't have to be that way, okay? So he said the third time, I said to you in the name of Jesus, you won't manifest through him while I'm in here again. You hear me? And he said, he, he kind of looked at me, and I said to him, now I tell you, in the name of Jesus, leave right now. Get out. And he said, he kind of looked at me stubbornly like, I'm not going. He said, I told you, in the name of Jesus, get out. And he said, he got out. He left. And you know what was interesting about that whole thing? He said, when I walked out the door and left that room, he said, you know who's in the hallway? That little demon. And he said, you know what I, I, I realized? He was just waiting for me to leave. He said, as long as I was there, he didn't do nothing. See, that's why at times we've we got to be careful what we do. Understand your authority. You don't have to put up with those things. But understand what, what happens at times with people. We've got to teach in the name of Jesus, okay? You've got to teach in the name of Jesus. And the reason I say that, and I wish I could reference you the verse right now, and my mind is thinking to try to tell you, it says in there that when you cast out a demon, that that demon will go into dry places. And after a period of time, he'll try to come back. And if he comes back, he'll come back seven times worse than when he did. What are you saying? I was in Juarez, Mexico, and I went to the insane asylum. I mean, one of the worst hell holes I've ever seen in my life, guys. Literally, modern day. Chains, and I'm telling possessed of the devil. So bad, the guy of the, the, the uh, insane asylum said, you people can't go near them. Can't go near them. I said, why? And he said, these people are crazy. They'll kill them with their bare hands. I saw people that their hands were cut off. I saw a man cut in half because of gangrene. And I mean, I was looking like, oh, Jesus, help us. There was a lady that with me, and she came up and said, Pastor, we've got to start casting the devil out of this place right now. You know what I said? No, we don't. You know why? I said, what's going to happen when me and you leave here? Are you willing to come back every day for the next month and teach all these people about the name of Jesus? It sounds spiritual. It sounds great. We go casting the devil out, but we leave. And what happens to those people if they're not taught? See, we get into a whole different ballgame there. I'm just telling you tonight, and that's beside the point. I'm just telling you tonight that we've got to use our authority in our homes and in our lives, okay? And when you see stuff that's nutty within your children, begin to bind the devil up. Begin to speak the blood over them, okay? I mean, it's, it's a great thing to send them out tomorrow morning with oatmeal to eat, but it's a greater thing to speak the blood over them. They begin to bind that junk up, okay? Let's stand up for the nursery workers. Bind me up. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.